Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is owning our power in relationships. So much of what I call my codependency is fear and panic because I spent so much of my life feeling abused, trapped, and not knowing how to take care of myself in relationships. Yeah, a uh, quote was by Anonymous. Yeah, I, uh, this reminds me of uh, Pete Walker's Complex PTSD, which I highly, highly recommend. Um, going forward, it will be one of the more important books in my life. I think I, this journey started with Drama of the Gifted Child and John Bradshaw's Healing the Shame that Binds, I believe. Um, but it talks about, you know, the four Fs, fear, flight, fight, and fawn. And, uh, you know, uh, that notion of the opposites of those is servitude for fawning, or not the opposites, efficient for busyaholic. And anyways, the F that I can identify with here with the codependency is the flight. You know, not thinking that I had any time to do anything and just want to be buried and feeling overwhelmed. You know, and the way to do anything for people who have trauma or not is one step at a time. And when I'm in that throes of codependency... I don't know what that next step is, and I just get into action. And a lot of times that next step might be doing nothing, calling someone, um, meditating, doing something different. Um, And that's been hard. Back to the reading. No matter how long we have been recovering, we may still tend to give up our power to others, whether they be authority figures, a new love, or a child. And I think that is also where uh, fear of intimacy for me can come up with. And, you know, that hiding in terms of creating a smaller world is there's just more control. And how, you know, how to let go of that control. Back to the reading. Well, and, and that letting go of control is actually where life is, you know. Creating some kind of bizarre environment that works for you is not one of the creative endeavors that I would like to pursue. Um, a life of happy, joyous, and free is what I now feel is my birthright. And I didn't think about that before recovery. When we do this, we experience the set of emotions and thoughts we call the codependent crazies. We may feel angry, guilty, afraid, confused, and obsessed. Yep, felt that on Saturday. We may feel dependent and needy or become overly controlling and rigid. Um, we may return to familiar behaviors during stress. You know, the silence and rage that was, uh, you know, in my childhood. And for those of us who have codependency and adult children issues, relationships can mean stress. I mean, dating can mean stress. Back to the reading. We don't, and, and honestly, it can also be fun. We don't have to stay stuck in our codependency. We don't have to shame or blame ourselves or the other person for our condition. We simple, simply need to remember to own our power. Under being, you know, the, uh, the, the crux of under being, I think, is lacking, failing to own our own power as adults our skills, our talents, our assets, what we bring to the table, which is being a human being. And that is enough in the rooms, and consequently, it will be enough in other areas of life. Back to the reading. Practice, practice, practice. Using your power to take care of yourself, no matter who you're dealing with, where you are, or what you're doing. This is what recovery means. This does not mean we try to control others. It does not mean we become abrasive or abusive. It means we own our power to take care of ourselves. The thought of doing this may generate fears. That's normal. Take care of yourself anyway. The answers and the power to do that are within you now. Start today. Start where you are. 
Start by taking care of who you are at the present moment to the best of your ability. Today, I will focus on owning my power to take care of myself. I will not let fears or a false sense of shame and guilt stop me from taking care of myself. Great reading. The next reading also comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is in between. Sometimes to get from where we are to where we are going, we have to be willing to be in between, the gray area, where life is, again, rather than the all-or-nothing thinking that the Big Red Book talks about, um, you know, typical, or not typical, common, uh, you know, it's a common coping mechanism to be an adult child. One of the hardest parts of recovery is the concept of letting go of what is old and familiar, but what we don't want and being willing to stand with our hands empty while we wait for God to fill them. This may apply to feelings. Yeah, a lot of times my anger can be just, and and resorting to the comfortable is, you know, thinking that I can't feel discomfort. And I don't want to say momentary discomfort because the discomfort can be a long time. And I think using program slogans like, this too shall pass. We may have been full of hurt and anger. In some ways, these feelings may become, have become comfortably familiar. When we finally face and relinquish our grief, we may feel empty for a time. We are in between pain and the joy of serenity and acceptance. Being in between can apply to relationships. To prepare ourselves for the new, we need to first let go of the old. This can be frightening. We may feel empty and lost for a time. We may feel all alone, wondering what is wrong with us for letting go of the proverbial bird in hand when there's nothing in the bush. Being in between can apply to many areas of life and recovery. We can be in between jobs, careers, homes, or goals. We can be in between behaviors as we let go of the old and are not certain what we will replace it with. This can apply to behaviors that have protected and served us well all of our life, such as caretaking and controlling. There's just a better way, you know, and controlling, you know, is just another word for manipulating. We may have many feelings going on when we're in between spurts of grief about what we have let go of or lost and feelings of anxiety, fear, and apprehension about what's ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, codependency takes a lot of time and in some ways it gave me something to do, you know, what I do now, if I'm willing to let that go, where what comes in. I've got to remind myself that with patience and an open mind, things come in. I remember when I stopped gambling in my 20s and I knew I was an addict at my core. I didn't know what the 12 steps were. I certainly didn't think that that would be applicable to dealing with my issues. I was terrified because I I knew I was actually gonna give that up. I didn't have a choice at the time. And I was like, well, what's next? Heroin, cocaine, like what is next? And I got, you know, addiction or not, I don't consider an addiction because I love the gym. I got the replacement, and uh, I stopped gambling. And, you know, without that first step, you know, who knows where things go, you know? So, and, 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 the, and the other thing is, like, you know, I lived in a great city, D.C., great recovery community, but it's not me, really. And I was just so scared to move to a place that I knew is me, which is Austin. And, you know, now something I struggle with is, you know, buying a car, for example. Um, Anyways, back to the reading. Being in between can apply to relationships. To prepare ourselves for the new, we first need to let go of the old. And I think the old ideas of what a relationship is, you know, that is picked up in movies, 
um, through, you know, 16-year-olds who, you know, are probably clueless in life. I'm definitely going to have to do some writing on this. This may apply to feelings. We may have been full of hurt and anger. In some ways, these feelings may have become comfortably familiar. Yes, yes, yes. When we finally face and relinquish our grief, we may feel empty for a time. We are in between pain and the joy of serenity and acceptance. Being in between can apply to relationships. To prepare ourselves for the new, we need to first let go of the old. This can be frightening. We may feel empty and lost for a time. We may feel all alone, wondering what is wrong with us, or letting go of the proverbial bird in hand when there's nothing in the bush. You know, emotional dependency on family members. You know, financial dependency on an employer. Being in between can apply to many areas of life and recovery. We can be in between jobs, careers, homes, or goals. We can be in between behaviors as we let go of the old and are not certain what we will replace it with. This can apply to our behaviors that have protected and served us well all our lives, such as caretaking and controlling. We may have many feelings going on when we're in between spurts of grief about what we have let go of or lost and feelings of anxiety, fear, and apprehension about what's ahead. These are normal feelings for the in-between place. Accept them, feel them, release them. Being in between isn't fun, but it's necessary. It will not last forever. It may feel like we're standing still, but we're not. We're standing at the in-between place. It's how we get from here to there. It's not the destination. We're moving forward, even when we're in between. Today, I will accept where I am as the ideal place for me to be. If I'm in between, I will strive for the faith that this place is not without purpose, that it is moving me towards something good. What a powerful reading. Now we move on to ACA, Strengthening My Recovery, and the, and the topic is step eight. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Making an amends list is part of wiping the slate clean for ourselves and walking into a new way of life. Many of us have been part of physically and emotionally unsafe relationships as adults, and we know we eventually had to own our part in those relationships. And I think that's the esteemable act, is owning your part. And I'm trying to think, to ask for help has been a big part of everything. Ask and receive and celebrate. As we made our amends list, we were told to put ourselves first. In doing so, we thought about all the things we had lost, most importantly our childhoods, and what that meant for us. Even though we missed the stages of child development we were entitled to, we realized we could nurture ourselves and help make up for that loss. In making amends to ourselves, we acknowledge any self-harm we have done, including not forgiving ourselves for simply being human, right, like get hurt. Then we move on to amends to others, knowing we aren't being asked to make amends to unsafe people. And I don't think there's that many people that the amends is unsafe. Taking step eight helps us grow spiritually and emotionally. Whatever amends we eventually make, it's a healing process. As part of this process, we continue to work on the character defects that have placed us in the position of making amends in the first place. We go forward in confidence and love to whatever comes next. On this day, I will stay current with the amends I owe myself and then work with those I may owe others. And the final reading from ACA Strengthening My Recovery is dissociation. Another form of not being in the body involves dissociation or leaving the body. And uh, I can do that by intellectualization. It's really served me well. It's something that I can redirect, reassign. It, it's, a, you know, it's a behavior that is familiar but doesn't serve me anymore, you know, related to the other readings. As kids, we may have gotten into big trouble when we showed how we felt. 
Some, so many of us taught our little faces and voices and bodies not to show emotion. I just remember at a young age thinking that crying was weak and I was never going to cry and would avoid situations that would make me cry. But life can, you know, that's, crying is a great part of my, it's been a major part of my recovery. Speaking of which, I haven't been crying much lately, so probably need to do more feeling work. Back to the reading. We may have eventually learned to disconnect from our feelings even before they surfaced. We knew we had to live physically in our bodies, but we could refuse to listen to what our bodies were trying to tell us. Some of us became so dissociated that we even looked at others to know when to smile or frown. We had lost our identities in the process. When we found ACA, we heard dissociation described as a disconnection from our feelings, thoughts, body needs, and other parts of ourselves. We also learned that childhood trauma was the cause. It's not my fault. At meetings when we heard others say they felt numb, empty, or dead inside, we may have identified because of our own trauma and disconnect. We heard that change is possible, but it requires work. A lot of work. An unbelievable amount of work. And it's rewarding as hell, this fuck. <laughs> Excuse my language. When we make the commitment to ourselves, our feelings start to show up. They may be strong and come in large quantities. You know, I think that's also a guide to figuring out who I am. They are scary, though. Oh, and I, that was the next part of the reading. It's scary, but we have the support of other ACAs. Working the program and learning to trust in a higher power helps us to restore our true selves. We accept our feelings and become who we are meant to be. On this day, I will pause, find a quiet place to sit, and breathe whenever I feel disconnected from myself. I will maintain conscious contact with my higher power and myself. And that concludes today's readings for Recovering My Inner Child. Until next time, this is Kawan Saluja reminding myself to pause, because that's where God is, to understand so many of my behaviors are related to childhood trauma, and that it is okay to live in the gray and own my power in relationships.